0: Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. I like scoops. This is Randy Carricker, and not only do I love Dan McLaughlin, we're fighting. Yeah, we are. But uh, I, I enjoy getting scoops from Danny Mac, and uh, so I, I stuck around so that I could get some on this opening day 2020 from the Budweiser Brewhouse at Ballpark Village. Dan, this facility is unbelievable. The Ballpark College facility, when you think about the old ballpark being on these grounds and how much they've done with it, it really is phenomenal.
1: And they kept the uh, construction going. And so I was saying the other day, I don't know if you agree with this, and I do find it fascinating. I don't know if this will have any impact on the games, but the structure to our left has got... um, you know, some of the apartments and things of that nature, if that will have any impact on the, the wind and um, what's happening with fly balls. And then with not having fans in the stands, does that have any impact of just the impact of fly balls and how the ball and the wind and the carry and the things of that nature, I guess we'll find out obviously starting tonight, but anytime that I've seen going to different stadiums and they start building up around the stadiums, there are differences in the wind and the tunnels of the wind and how um and they do studies and that kind of thing but I, i'm just curious to see what what happens with some of those fly balls if if there's any kind of difference and i could be way off base and people saying you're nuts dan and i get it but we'll see if, if that happens uh, starting tonight we aren't scientists clearly but logic would dictate
0: that when you have the hotel on the other side of Ballpark Village, in the apartment complex on this side, and you put in a huge uh, gym, so you've got a lot of buildings. It's going to affect the
1: wind. Did I think. It? Yeah, I, I think it would. Um, historically, this ballpark, which opened up in 2006, has been a fair ballpark. That was always my concern because we were going to Houston. You know, when Houston first opened up, and it was Enron, and now it's Minute Maid. And when we first went there, we went from the Astrodome, which was so cavernous. It, was, it seemed like it was impossible to hit a ball out of that ballpark. And then you went to that ballpark, the new one, and Jim Edmonds was like flicking his wrist and hitting home run after home run. And you're like, man, this is gimmicky. You just didn't want a gimmicky ballpark. And then Bush Stadium 3 opened up and it played fair. That's all you wanted. Right. And that's what we've gotten in this ball. I love bush stadium three i'm a big fan of this ballpark um i've come to the ballpark as a fan handful of times most of the time i'm i'm working so if i'm down here it's usually postseason play so that's good times to come down here and enjoy it um and so i I love it i am a big fan of what happens on the field and it's not uh tricked up you know it's fair and that's what i wanted
0: And, and in addition to the ball playing aspect of it the DeWitt family has done a great job of upgrading. A lot of times if a stadium gets built, kind of like the Dome, and what happened with the Dome is it was built and then it was just there. And you go back to even 2007, after the first couple or first season there, the Cardinals were finding ways to tweak and improve the stadium. Yep. Every year there's something new, whether it's the, the Budweiser Terrace in the upper deck in right field or changing some of the luxury suites into party areas where hundreds of people can congregate. Every year there's an improvement to this ballpark, and they've done a fantastic job of, like we should do with our homes, maintaining value.
1: I I wonder if we're going to see, uh, I'm very curious about this, and this was even prior to the virus hitting our country and the world, the Budweiser Terrace, I was thinking that because of uh, how a lot of young fans take in the game, which is on their phone, And it's kind of a party atmosphere and you don't have to sit in your seat. You know, young people love to go grab a beer and just kind of hang out, you know, stand at a table and go then to another table and enjoy it and walk around. And, Oh, there's Yachty up. Okay. Now I'll pay attention or, Oh, there's Albert. I'll, I'll go watch. Oh, there's Goldie. Now I'll go walk over to the, you know, to the edge of, of, uh, where we're standing and, and take a, take a view. um, I wonder if more places are going to do that. Take seating out and just kind of, you know, make a, make a terrace view or, or even some of the lower areas of the seating and make that a, a big patio. Um, and I wonder now with social distancing, yeah. if that's something that baseball and hockey and basketball, are, are, are they going to do that to get people in the seats as we move forward? I, I we're, we're going to go into a different world of some sort. Um, if, if, it's fascinating this time next year what are we looking at to get people into, to, into, into ballparks and into venues and Dan what you're talking about is what what the
0: research shows and where we are you can stand and you feel like you're in the ballpark when you're yes. here at Ballpark Village but areas to congregate are what people are asking for. When the Blues made all the changes over at Enterprise Center, you see the differences now. It's areas for people to congregate and get together rather than just sitting in your seats. And yeah. I think what you said is, as they say in Canada, bang on because <laughs> I think there's going to be, anytime a new stadium is built now, it's going to be built
1: with areas to stand rather than sit. Now, I am old school. So if I go to a ball game, I like to sit, I like to grab my soda. I like to have a, a bag of popcorn, and I have a scorecard. That's yep. how I take in a, a ball game. I like to keep score. Um, now, my kids, if I go with them, it's really hard to keep score because every other half inning, I'm going to get cotton candy, hot dog, soda, ice cream, rinse and repeat every other half inning. They're stuffing themselves, and I'm just running to the concession stand and doing all that stuff, and that's fine. I mean, that's part of being a parent and you go into the ball game and all that kind of stuff. But that's how I like to take in a game. But then again, I'm not 21 yeah. and 25 and you know doing those kind of things where I'm running all over the place with young people. and, and that. But that's how they like right. the game. I also think, and I don't know if you agree with this, I'm not on the phone during the game. I'm paying attention yeah. to what's going on in the field. I'm
0: always, and, and that's the one thing that I could never come to grips with when people were building palaces because the way I grew up, and it's not the way kids now have grown up, the only thing I really was concerned about was what happened between the white lines. Exactly. I didn't need a big screen TV. I didn't need glorious concessions. I didn't need unbelievable, ostentatious suites. All I wanted to do was watch the game. Yeah. And n- nothing against the way stadiums are built now because that's what people want. But I think for our generation, and especially people with our attitude, that's what we were interested in
1: you go to arizona randy um and so our booth is fairly low towards the field and you can see behind home plate would be their quote unquote green seats and those people have a flat screen right in front of them so not only are they watching the game but then they have a view of the television in front of them now i i'm not sure if they can flip So, if they want to go watch, you know, the Dodgers and the Padres play or Jeopardy or Jeopardy or whatever they want to watch, you know, I don't know if they have that that option. I don't know if it's just a view of their game that they're, you know, the Diamondbacks and the Cardinals or whatever. So, if they want to get a better look at a replay or or something, that they have that. But that I think that's coming too. Here's a question that I think will intrigue. Your answer will
0: intrigue people. What year is this for you now? The Tonight is going to start what season? 23, 23. I believe. Twenty three. How much has the volume of the crowd changed from that first and second year to now because people have their phones in their hand and they can't clap anymore?
1: That's a good question, man. I, I haven't really thought about it. I, uh, man, you put me on the spot. I got to think about it a little bit.
0: I, I, I heard somebody say that. It, it might have been Tiger about golf because he said crowds used to be louder because they could clap and now they've all got their fa- phones oh, and I, I didn't put that in perspective like that
1: but i can see how crowds wouldn't be as loud because they can't clap anymore uh, there's something to it um yeah i would say maybe a little bit uh, it's gotten less you know when i first started too, mcguire was going nuts yeah and so people didn't have the phones so as they did m- have their cameras now, that's a good point. Yeah, everybody was on their, their camera and taking pictures and trying to catch history. Um, man, that's a really good point. Um, Those were some of the best shots ever, by the way. Oh, all the ca- man. All the flashes. Yes. That was so amazing. Um, yeah, I, I think there is something to that. And and a lot of people are using their – if you're at a great moment in the ninth inning, people – it is funny. Like, when we would catch – if. You're in the ninth inning. How many times do you see when our cameras are are uh, the television cameras are are panning the crowd of people not only trying to catch a camera shot with a still photo, but also the video. Yeah. So they can post it to Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and they're not clapping. You get a lot of that yeah. too. That's part of it. Yeah, that's a good point. Changed. That's
0: Dan. I'm Randy. This is Scoops with Danny Mack. Speaking of Mark McGuire, I have him as the DH on my all-time gotta Cardinals. Be. Okay, I, I wanted to make sure that you're good with oh, that. Oh, yeah, you got to uh, be. I, but I, I want to run down uh, the rest of the group, and I, I specifically want to talk about the guys that I left off. Okay. It's next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and
0: Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> I turn my microphone on. A lot of people in St. Louis that obviously know a lot about Cardinal baseball. But as Tony LaRusa would say, any of those people are tied for first with Danny Mack. And you. Well, you know more uh, than me. I appreciate that. Way more than me. No, uh, no. We, just, you have we a, just read a lot. For being somebody who's more than a decade younger than me, I'm astounded by your knowledge of Cardinal baseball. I because you've studied. A lot, man. Yeah. You you have you've you, you do you've read a lot and you pay you've paid attention to the history of the the team and the sport, but primarily
1: this ball club because you love it so much. Well, you know what's helped though was the uh, the evenings with the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Those you know you do a you do multiple sit downs with Bob Gibson for an hour and a half, uh-huh. and Willie and Ozzie and Ted Simmons and all these greats. Red, God rest yeah. his soul. You know those kind of things. And you hear things that you never read, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, with Red right. chain deeds. Things I, that you can't
0: read. Yeah. Right. And, aren't, I, aren't there.
1: and I would record them. And I'd go back and listen and make notes, that's and I'd great. say, I never heard that before, never read it. And you sit there and you go, oh, my gosh. You know, those are the things that live on. And you, I mean, just like, wow. Yeah. You know, that's that's the stuff that resonates. That's very cool. And, yeah. and
0: having... Uh, from our standpoint, uh, you having the opportunity to do those special events with those guys, for me, just having a chance to become friendly with them, yeah. that's, that's one of the... We're going to go to our graves as that, those being some of the highlights.
1: For me, they're the best. Sitting
0: at the old ballpark in the back row, right next to the radio booth, uh, where Red sat. I sat with Red... Countless times. All the time. And yeah. Just talk baseball with Red Shandy. It's the greatest. Yeah, it didn't get any better. No. it's no. A, It's a front row seat history it really is so it's the best so 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 we've been lucky so uh yesterday uh i love it when you do these things these are fun yeah and and actually this was michelle's idea come up with your all-time opening day cardinal team which isn't any different than your all-time cardinal team but i wanted to put together a unit i just didn't want to grab the nine best guys in terms of war so here's what i did and i feel like i wanted to build it with the cardinal way with Speed and defense. And I only took one starter, and that's Gibson. That's obvious. I took one reliever, and that's Bruce Suter. My lineup, I'll start with just the, the, the defensive lineup. I've got Brock in left, Edmonds in center, Musial in right. My defense on the infield, I think, is as good as it's going to get. So this is only defense, right? Not not yeah. taking this, in the this, offense. I, I'll give you my lineup in a moment. Okay. Uh, Roland, Ozzie, Hornsby, and Pujols. Roland. say that again. Roland at third, yep. Ozzy at short, Rogers Hornsby at second, Pujols at first. Now, i I really had trouble leaving Keith Hernandez off this team. I popped up at four in the morning, and I said, "What about Keith Hernandez?" Because I had, but I can't put Keith Hernandez on my team. So if you're only going but, defense, I got to well, go no, Hernandez. No, this is. Oh yeah, if you were only going defense, it'd be Keith. Okay, but this is just this is my my group. Okay, all right, okay? and then I. have Literally 30 seconds before we went on the air to do the segment this morning, I made the switch from Simmons to Molina. And I was thinking, Ted, a great switch hitter, a guy who could hit for power, a guy that you really wanted up there, and an underrated defensive catcher. I know that when Whitey's traded him, he said he can't throw, but he, he was okay defensively. But I looked at Yachty's ability to guide not only a pitching staff, but a team through adverse conditions – and know that he can get me to the finish line. And I, I gave up that balance of the switch hitter for Yachty's defense and leadership and basically field management of a team. Did you think about Flood? I did. Okay. And he he is up there in war. But right-handed hitter. So I wanted to go with the left-handed hitting Edmonds. And, and Jimmy, With uh, Flood and Edmonds were probably tied for first defensively. Yep. Flood a little bit better at getting on base. Edmonds with more power. So And he took that power into great consideration. Hornsby? Hornsby's got to be on there. Okay. Right? Uh, the guy had like a 434 career on base. Correct. And his uh, career batting it's average a, a no brainer. Yeah, 359. And to be honest, when the Cardinals have won since the 60s, they had Julian Javier and they had her. Another one I was yeah. going to throw out
1: there, where was Javier on this? Yeah, but Nobody comes close to what Hornsby, Hornsby is a yeah. slam dunk. Yeah. Okay. So then I got to DH
0: and I said, do I go with Simmons or McGuire?
1: Got to go Big Mac. Yeah.
0: The guy hit 70 home runs in a season and 65 <laughs> right. in another, right? Right. And then uh, obviously Gibson. So I don't have Boyer and I got a lot of responses on Twitter about leaving Boyer off and Boyer from a war perspective. Heck, he won an MVP and he he's above rolling, but Rollins' defense and the fact that he was limited by injury. I'm, I'm. This is an opening day team, and so I'm going opening day of 0-4 for Scott Rowland.
1: Well, I've talked to a lot of people. Scott Rowland is the best defensive third baseman maybe in history. Yeah, I mean, there's people that say he's better than Mike Schmidt. Yeah better so, than others that they say are the greatest ever. They think he's better. Yeah. So here, Brooks Robinson, yeah, better. Yeah.
0: here In Cardinal history, and by the way, Arenado's great. Yes. And uh, uh, I don't know that he's any better than Roland was. Roland was exquisite. But if you've got a franchise where you could have the best third baseman ever defensively, best shortstop ever defensively, best first baseman ever defensively in Hernandez, that's amazing
1: to say for one franchise. Yes. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing about Roland. Now, if we're talking about this day and age of baseball— Think about Scott Rowland with the shift. Yeah, right. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So he could play shortstop even at that body, as big as he is, the way that he moved. Yeah. I mean, there's only, like, Arenado and Rowland. I feel comfortable them playing the shift. Yeah. Like, I- I'm okay with how they play shortstop. I'd be fine with it. Those two guys playing to the backhand
0: are both better than Schmidt. Unbelievable. Their, their range to their
1: right was phenomenal. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. He made a, a few plays. Do you remember how he would range to his left, and instead of, like, trying to shift his yep. hips, he would just Flick shovel pass it? Past oh, it. yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, he didn't see that then. No. Now guys are trying to do it, and they can't do it, and he would have zip on it. I mean, he did things that you just don't see. Kind of like natural. Patrick Mahomes, how he's throwing the ball. Right. Like, out of box, out of pocket, yep. you know, this things you just don't see. Yeah. So people were upset that I left Ducky Medwick off the team. That was the other one I was going to ask you about. But
0: I I had to have a leadoff hitter. And that's why I have Brock rather than Medwick. I left Keith off, as you know. Slaughter, I just don't think he measures up. Awesome player. And then Simmons, which breaks my heart to leave him off. So, Dan, here's my lineup. I've got Brock leading off. Have to. Stealing a few bases. Yeah. I've got Hornsby with his career 434 on base percentage hitting second. I've got Stan the Man hitting third because he's Stan the Man and you have to. Yeah. I've got Pujols hitting fourth. I've got McGuire hitting fifth. I've got Edmonds hitting sixth. Maybe I'll break up. Nah, I don't need to break up Pujols and McGuire. I'm fine there. Edmonds hitting sixth. Roland hitting seventh. Yachty eighth and Ozzie ninth. I'm going to put Stan
1: two. Okay. Pujols three. Mack four. I, f- wa- I want Stan and Albert in the first inning. You've, that's some danger. That's, that's what I want inning. a little danger there in the in the in the first inning. Okay, and, and I'm going to drop my my <laughs> I'm gonna drop Hornsby well, to six.
0: Here's another thing you could do is as you get. to I can't back believe I'm the, saying that. But here's a, how about hitting Hornsby? You know, Tony always talked about having that second leadoff hitter. Yeah, and if you've got Stan hitting second, how about having Hornsby getting on base in the nine, nine hole
1: <laughs> <laughs> ahead of Brock? This and is stupid yeah i could see that too because you got the so you're going to go dh in this thing too yeah mcguire's yeah uh this is nuts yeah i could see it you could make a case for it i don't like doing it but yes yeah Uh, yeah but i definitely want stan and albert coming up in the first it, it is
0: difficult to put a guy with a three fifty nine career batting <laughs> average in the 9 hole.
1: But we just did. Yeah, you could do it, you yeah. know. It's kind of like what you're talking about here. I- I've had some people say this year, would you put Wong 9? Because you want back-to-back leadoff guys. I, I don't like it, but yeah, I understand the premise yeah. of it, you know. So uh, with Edmund leading off then? Yeah.
0: I think that's interesting. And I think Wong became such a great 8-hitter, and I, I thought it was really interesting talking to Ozzie over the years and talking to Tony. I don't, I didn't appreciate until talking to those guys how difficult being the number eight hitter in the
1: National League was it's Really ahead of a pitcher. You never, you never know if you're getting pitched around. Right.
0: And I thought Colton did a great job of adjusting to that and becoming a really good number eight hitter.
1: Well, that was the problem, I think, with Bader. I, I think we're seeing Bader actually look different in this summer camp because of the DH. Mm-hmm. You're pitching to him now where before he didn't realize if he was getting pitched around. He's right. made an adjustment laying under. He he was getting slider after slider here in this summer camp, and he's hitting better. Yep. If he does that. By I the know. way, we can go back to your lineup,
0: too, yeah, if you but want. I just want to talk about Bader. And, by the way, you can weigh in on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 uh, about that lineup. But I want to go back to Bader because we try to make comps. And I think I mentioned this to you the other day. If you look at the, his first year, and hopefully we can leave last year out, I think the comp for Harrison Bader is George Springer. You know, Potentially. He, yeah, Springer's
1: he, an awfully good player.
0: He is, but he could not lay off the slider in his first year and a half in the majors. His first 3-400 at-bats, he and, and he hit 230. Yeah. But he he learned how to lay off the slider. I don't know if Harrison has the power to hit 35 home runs like Springer. Edmonds but, thinks he does. Edmonds tells me he's a 20-25 home run guy. So, may, maybe, but I... It, I think it's that simple for Harrison Bader. If he can learn to lay off the slider and not chase it all the time, I think he can be a good hitter.
1: The slider is the key. The breaking yep. ball is the key. He cannot be susceptible to that. And We talk about how for every team in a sixty-game season, getting off to a good start is imperative. You know, every every win is two point seven. So you lose three in a row; it's a nine-game losing streak. I, I think for the Cardinals, the one guy that's got to get off to a good start, it's Bader. Yeah. it's really important because it can spiral really fast it's like oh i hit 205 last year now here we go again i got this guy dylan carlson nipping at my my heels i got lane thomas w- ready to go who had a pretty good summer camp didn't have a bad spring he can play center field carlson can play center field tyler o'neill can play center field and oh by the way they're not gonna wait you know if there's guys struggling they're not gonna wait because they gotta win games so right. he knows. All these guys know. Well, and I, I made
0: this point earlier. In that we know now, if, if if you were somebody that said Cardinals don't care about winning, they're all about money. If the Cardinals don't care about winning and
1: they're all about money, they aren't cutting Brett Cecil. Correct. Right? Was it seven million bucks? Seven and a half million bucks this year. Yeah. So. I mean, it, it was. Uh, that's the thing about baseball too, is that you go out and give that guy thirty million dollars, and at the time, he was the top lefty on the market. Yeah. In my estimation, I, I
0: thought that year he was the best non-closer available for sure, and they needed a lefty. If you remember yeah. at that time, well, because uh, the the lefty that wound up or they came from the White Sox uh, in the trade for the center field Charlie Tilson trade, uh, he'd been around forever.
1: Yeah, he, he was with the Pirates. He'd yeah, been he, with, um, Tommy John anyway, yeah. uh, but and actually came back and pitched well again. Yeah, he did, but. The
0: Cardinals—they didn't know that he was going to have to have Tommy John. He did, so they were kind of desperate too to get yep. to replace that left-handed reliever. And so you—you got this guy in the market, and that's a move that you had to make.
1: Had to make it. Um, can I, I'm going to throw in my all Cardinal team. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask for a commissioner's uh, exemption because I got to have him, and we're in St. Uh-huh. Louis. So I'm going to ask uh, Rob Manford, who's doing crazy things anyway. I, I, Rob. So you play Rob? Rob? Yes. Uh, I need some help on this one. Okay. Um, and we're here to help you because you are the Cardinals. Thank you. I got to have Willie McGee. Uh, he's he's got to be on my all time roster. Well, I, I'm not sure he's an all time player, but I got to have Willie. It's interesting that you bring that
0: up, sir, because we thought about that here at the major league offices, too. And we are putting together a bench, and there was no better bench player than post. 1996 Willie McGee when he came back to the Cardinals great so if you want a bench
1: player and you want Willie McGee then you have Willie McGee on your team thank you um we we may not use him ever I I hope you know that Rob Mm -hmm. um we may just put him on deck just to have him go on deck because we want to have standing ovations and our fans love him and you know Whitey obviously Rob And, and Whitey told us that he thinks even more so than Stan and albert and any of the players that have my on my all-time roster and you know whitey knows cardinal baseball better than anybody he thinks that he may be the most popular player in the history of our organization so
0: herzog thinks that
1: yes he actually said that publicly and so uh we feel it is beneficial that we have number 51 uh on our team
0: well then i think it's really important that when we get back to normal next year and we will return to normal next year yeah that the Cardinals return to the Ford convertibles and Willie McGee being on one of those Ford convertibles, circling the warning track at your ballpark so that he can get the
1: well-deserved standing ovation. I appreciate that, Rob. Um, and while we're at it, can we get rid of the uh, three-batter minimum? Not yet. Okay. Let's see wh- how things work. How about the runner at
0: second in extra innings? Well, I, I would think that your broadcaster is really going to like the idea of not having <laughs> an 18-inning game. That's why we put that in. I know one
1: broadcaster that would have appreciated that in Arizona last year. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> he would have made a couple of flights. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> made it home. Yeah. Uh,
0: Scoops with Danny Mac will roll on on 101 ESPN.
1: More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN.
0: Scoops with Danny Mac randy and dan with you and dan we are so fortunate to have somebody who as we talked in the last segment about just loves the game and loves to bring us things that we ordinarily wouldn't know about when we're watching a telecast and as you know i watch a lot of the other broadcasters and one of the reasons i do is because i'm in the business i, I love the game but i like to hear what other broadcasters are doing and i can tell you definitively there's nobody and not you because you You're you. I'm telling anybody who's driving around listening right now, there isn't a television baseball broadcaster in America that is getting more information from the people down in the clubhouse than Dan McLaughlin. Appreciate that. And you can't do that now because of social distancing and the rules that have been put in place. So how do you prepare for, how do you get info for games
1: now? Well, it's different. Um, I'm going back through a lot of notes from spring training. I, I did do that last night i did it again this morning um of notes i made from personal conversations with players so i'm I'm doing that Mm -hmm. Uh, mike schilt has been great to text me different things that are going on just unsolicited there's a text from mike saying hey we got this going on we're doing this we're doing that we're doing the other Mm -hmm. he's unbelievable with that that's great he's been so good to me I've known Mike for a long time when he was at the lower end of the minor leagues. And I've always made a point to just check in on him when he was in the minor leagues and vice versa. So obviously that that relationship has paid off. And now yeah. here he is, is the, you know, the manager of the Cardinals. So he's been very, very helpful. John Moselock, extremely helpful with information. Um, people inside the organization, extremely helpful with or, uh, with information because I, I, I'd like to think that I've built up relationships where they know um, they realize that there's some information that is good for the public. And there's other information that's good for the broadcast that I'm not going to go out with things that should not be yeah. to the public. And but it, yet it's background for the broadcast. So that's what I do. Um, and I'm talking to a lot of other broadcasters like Greg Brown does the, the Pirates. So I've had a conversation and we'll have another conversation with him today about, okay, how has COVID hit your team? Okay, it's gotten Gregory Polanco. It's gotten your third baseman. So what does that mean on your depth chart? Well, it's Colin Moran. Okay, I know about Colin Moran. I know about your rotation. Okay, what's it mean the back end of your bullpen? This is what we're doing here. Okay, here's what's happening with the Cardinals, and COVID has hit these guys. Okay, what's that mean here? So that you might go in this direction. Tell me more about uh, Derek Shelton, your manager. Um, so really relying on the broadcasters, too, to try to help each other out, have a better understanding of what's happening with your team, um, which we do anyway. Normally, those conversations, Randy, are for like an hour before a Uh, series. You know, we just hop in each other's booths and say, "Okay, what's been going on the last month? Uh, Tell me about your guy. Um, And a lot of times those conversations are done privately with Mike Schilt in his office, you know, or five or ten minutes on a field with a player don't have that. So you're just trying to exhaust any kind of phone, text conversation that you can have privately with a player or with management, and and that's what you have to do. I I look at it as a challenge. I don't look at it as, well, I can't do my job. And and if people do that, then I think we're doing a disservice to the public. I mean, it's just a challenge with the job, and that's how we have to do it. And the Cardinals are really good. They're doing a great job. And I, I mentioned that to Mo. Under these circumstances, I think they've done a really good job. But and we owe it to the fans to do that too. Right. I mean, we're the conduit to the fan. We gotta, we gotta do the best we can to get the information out there. Yeah, and, and I think in general,
0: and I covered the entire Whitey Herzog. Well, not the entire, but from 1983 on, uh, I, I covered Whitey Herzog, and Whitey was fantastic with the media. I was lucky. Whitey liked the writers more than the broadcasters at that time, but I <laughs> Jack, Jack, and Mike, well, and right? And, you and, and, and <laughs> well, it's because I. Because Jack and Mike like me, and, right. and I was a KMOX guy, and so I got an advantage there as you did. And Tony, I thought, did a better job of anybody. Not that Whitey didn't, but Tony understood what the media does, and he was able to, in a reasonable way, protect his players. Yep. Uh, go back to uh, go back to when Scott Rowland first got hurt, and. He was playing, but he was hurt. And you don't want to rip a guy because he's playing. The the manager doesn't want his guy ripped because he's hurt, but he's doing everything he can to help the team. Absolutely. And Tony would tell you that, but it wasn't he's hurt. It was, you know, he's got a barky shoulder. And you can that that gives us the ability to explain why a performance might not be up to the standards that we expect.
1: And it also would protect the manager. So, in particular, if you had... Uh, Trevor Miller was a great example. You know, you had a lefty, and it called for a lefty-lefty situation. It it just called. I mean, it, it said lefty-lefty here prior to three batter minimum. So lefty's coming up, and you're saying, why isn't Trevor Miller coming into this situation? And not Andrew Miller, but back in the day, yeah. Trevor Miller. And Tony would pull you aside before a game, and he'd say, hey, Dan, come over here. And you're thinking, uh-oh, what did I say or what did I do? And he'd say, hey, Trevor Miller's got a, a elbow issue right now. Um, but just say he's got the flu. And so, but we don't want it out there as a competitive advantage for the other team because they're watching in that clubhouse. Yeah. So he'd say, um, if you see he's not up, because it might be the first game of a series, he might not pitch the entire series. And they know that, so they may stack righties. So he, he would say, just say he's battling the flu, you know, maybe back tomorrow or, you know, if you. and I would say, well, if you're wondering why Trevor Miller isn't up at this point, You know, he's got a little bit of the flu, so they're going to go with um, this right-hander who's had success against lefties. And that's what I would say. And so he would be protecting not only the player who's got the elbow, but also he's protecting himself by saying, look, I'm not making this move because, and I understand the fan base was smart, is saying, why aren't you, Tony, using this lefty-lefty matchup? That's smart. I mean, so he's helping you as a broadcaster. He's protecting himself, but ultimately he's protecting his player, yeah. which is what you want to do. And, and you know, Lance Berkman, I remember one time he was hurt, and he came came to me and he said, Dan, he said, I'm done. He said, I'm flat out done. I'm not mm-hmm. playing today, ain't playing tomorrow, ain't playing the rest of the year. And I, I, and I didn't go on the air with that information. You know, I, I couldn't. Because he could have been used as a pinch hitter, he hadn't been playing, but he he, he wasn't going to play in that series. Oh, I couldn't use that, and right. they were in a pennant race. But you just you protect the player, so right. you know you have to do and, those things. And. Brian Jordan
0: always played hurt. Always. yep. And, he, you know, you just, and he was, it wasn't making excuses. It was, saying, man, my, my back is killing me, but I got to do what I can because I, I want to do everything I can to help the team. He knew that he was better than anybody else they had, even if he had a bad back. That's right. But, and you don't say, you know, he's got a bad back and here's what he said, but you, you get that background and you say, you know, he's dinged up. He, he's not healthy. Right. And I, I feel bad our great friend the the late great chris duncan was a guy that would never make an excuse never but man you talk about a guy whose body was just devastated done by and the end it was yeah, done yeah and it, it, he was pretty close to the end when he told me about everything that had gone
1: on and it was unbelievable what he went through to get on the field same with larry walker yeah. larry walker i told i told you the story randy he actually came up to me and he said i want to say thank you to you and I said, w- for what? He said, you know how bad I'm hurt. And he said, I'm in that training room almost three hours just to get on the field. And my my wife and my kids appreciate you covering for me. And I said, well, you've still got an OPS of like 850 or whatever it was, and you're, you know, hitting 275, and you're 38 years old. I said, I appreciate what you're <laughs> doing, you know. He's like, yeah. He goes, I- I'm a shell of the player I am, you know, and could be. But I appreciate you covering." And I said, well I- – you're, you're out there giving everything you got. And I said, that's what fans appreciate wh- who you are. And I think, I don't know if fans realize this. It's not only the opposition in that dugout that's watching. The opposition everywhere in the league is watching four weeks of games leading up. And they're listening to us talk about what's happening and seeing the deficiencies in the other team. So they know. Well, Believe I, me, they know.
0: But I think you hit the most salient point, though. These people are people. As Tony would always say, they're men, not machines. Their families are watching. Oh, yeah. And their families know what they're going through in terms of trying to produce for a team. And if there is not a good reason to rip somebody, and rarely is there a good reason to rip somebody. Lack of hustle is one of them. Right. But I know that there's a lot of people that want the media just to rip on everything. But now I wanted to do this to give people a little take the people behind the curtain as to why sometimes we approach things the way we do, because there's a level of humanity to what we do.
1: There, there is. Um, and you know, I, if if a player makes a mistake, I point it out. I point it out usually once, maybe twice. And, and I move on in, I don't belabor the point. Now, if a guy doesn't hustle, that's on him. Mm -hmm. And I will point that out and multiple times point it out because that's that's inexcusable. If you don't hustle, that's on you. You're yep. getting paid to play and play hard. And if you're out there, you got to play hard. If you don't hustle, that's on you. I can't make that an excuse for you. I can't sit there and say that you, you know. Well, he didn't run. Right. That's on you. Yep. One you, of the things that Jack taught us, Jack Buck is, could you have done
0: that? And it, so at the very basic bottom of the athletic spectrum could you have made that play and the reason I say that is because the Cardinals you remember Dave Rucker the lefty reliever oh sure game in San Francisco Rucker fields the ground ball right back to him should have been a double play throws it over the head of the second baseman from the grass it wasn't from the mound throws it over the head of the second baseman and Jack says Threw it over the head of the second baseman, a fourth grader would have made that throw. <laughs> <laughs> and a fourth grader may have made that That's, throw. And it was fair and, right. and it wasn't unreasonable.
1: Right, right. <laughs> that, do you remember the, um, I guess it was probably three years ago, Carlos Martinez could not throw to a base. Mm-hmm, yeah. And teams started bunting constantly against, I mean, it was, and it was not just Carlos, but it was just on the team. They, they they just struggled throwing the bases ugly. it was terrible and it wasn't just the cardinals it was everybody in baseball struggled with that that was terrible yeah. and to, to shields credit man he cleaned a lot of that stuff up and that's one of the things about this team that if edmund if if carpenter's the dh and you got edmund at third the young at short who's looked really good defensively yeah. wong is a gold glover goldsmith's a gold glover you got uh, bader in center Yachty catching that's where this team's going to win. Strong up. That's, that's the cardinal way right there. You're, you're going to pitch. They've got depth with their pitching, and they play defense. Yep. And we'll see if they hit, but pitching and defense is going to win.
0: This has been fun. This hey, has been great. Hey, thanks for
1: doing this, this, man. flew by. It did. Yep. A lot of fun.
0: Thank you for uh, allowing me to be part of Scoops with Dan. You NFL. ran
1: the show, and I'll tell you what, maybe they should add more money to your contract, nah, and we fun. just do two. You know, you do. we already do three. Okay. Just add another hour pay you more money and we do a show together. I've seen what happens to people that make a lot of money, Dan. I'll leave that. <laughs> Take it or leave it. I'll leave it.
0: The crossover is <laughs> next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> All
1: right. We roll on from ballpark village and Alex Ferrario stepping in. He'll be with us the next three hours. And then Brad Thompson from noon to two, we're filling in for ribs and BK and, uh, Alex, what do we have coming up? we got a lot of fun stuff today, Danny. Of course, lots of baseball talk, rightfully so, when we're looking at beautiful Bush Stadium. And I have you
0: and BT with us. But we're going to talk with Bill DeWitt Jr. at about uh, 1130 today. Get a couple things to talk about with him. I know Mo was on with uh, Randy and Michelle earlier today. Um, Talked a little bit about the conversation that Mo had with Bill DeWitt about Brett Cecil. And, of course, with the MLB and the MLPA agreeing to an expanded postseason It'll be fun to kind of get Bill DeWitt's thoughts on all of that. And we'll talk with Jason Isringhausen, Cardinals awesome. Hall
1: of Famer, will be joining us in the 12 o'clock hour. So we'll get you, uh, BT, me, and uh, little Jason Isringhausen to get into today. All-time saves leader in Cardinals history. Our thanks to uh, Randy Carricker, and it rolls on from Ballpark Village here in downtown St. Louis. This is 101 ESPN.
0: You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN.